630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, really glad you could tune in tonight. It is 7.05 inside sports on 6.30 Chet. Now 4-2 Tampa Bay leading Toronto. And yeah, we're heading into a very busy fall here on 6.30 Chet. Of course, we're the voice of your Oilers and your Eskimos. We're going to have World Cup of Hockey games starting on Saturday. We have uh, the Oilers Young Stars uh, tournament in in, uh, Penticton starting Friday at 8.30, the game against Vancouver. Next Eskimos broadcast is Sunday. At uh, 1 o'clock, we'll sign on from Regina. 2.30 kickoff as the Eskimos take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now, Montreal is going to play at Hamilton on Friday, and that is significant because it's the CFL Hall of Fame game. The inductions happening this weekend, including one of the greatest receivers ever to play in our grand league, Daryl Mookie Mitchell, former Argo and former Eskimo. Mookie, thanks for dropping by. My pleasure, my pleasure. Very good to meet you in person after seeing you you play for us uh, for several years for, for both those teams. I, I, I liked you better as an Eskimo, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to jump jump right in with the hard-hitting question. Where'd the nickname come from, Mookie? The nickname came from my college roommate. Was just sitting around, you know, just shooting the breeze, and we are watching a basketball game. And so he was like, you know, you remind me of a guy who nicknamed should be Mookie. So he just started calling me Mookie. So whenever we would go on campus um, and at practice, he would start just calling me Mookie. And so it kind of just stuck with the players and the coaches first. And then it just just led on throughout my career. So just one guy randomly kind of didn't base College it on roommate. a characteristic. He just, he just said you look like a Mookie. Yeah, you look like a guy who nicknamed should be Mookie. <laughs> And away you went. What college was that? Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Now, what was it like playing at Texas? What what conference was that at the time? Were they, Southwest Conference. That was South, which Southwest. no longer exists, right? It don't exist. Yeah. Who did they join? Um, we end up going to the Big 12. We're in the Big 12 Big now. Big 12 now. now. Okay. Yes. So uh, what was it like playing at Texas Tech? I mean, being you must have been a football player at a NCAA school. You're one of the big guys on campus, right? Yes. So, I mean, it was it was a shock coming from Miami going to West Texas. You know, it was it was a huge like culture shock. Me being the only Floridian on the team, but when I when I arrived at Tech, all the coaches and the players they just embraced me, you know, with open arms, you know, and I I just fit right in. Growing up in Miami, was football your first love? Oh, it was first and only. Yeah, first and only. Because I talk, some guys say, especially the American guys, they say, oh, well, I, w- I would have played basketball or I could have mm-hmm. played baseball. And some guys, soccer or whatever, it was all football for you, eh? Yeah, I ran, you know, I ran track in high school and college. You know, I love to watch track. I love to compete in it. But my my dreams, my aspiration was always just football. It was just football or nothing. How old were you when you started playing? I started playing uh just like Sandlot football, I've been playing since <laughs> since like ten years old. But then I played, con- I started playing contact in high school, my my um, freshman year. Okay, were you always a receiver? Yes. Okay, and was that because you're fast or you had good hands, or how did you get picked for that spot? Well, just like growing up, when you just playing street ball, you just try to feel your way and try to find out what position you like the best. You know, so knowing that you score all the touchdowns, you're gonna get all the girls. So. <laughs> 
Oh, there we go. You better, you better play the position that you get the ladies. <laughs> and that was receiver. Yeah. Uh, so Miami, I, I imagine, oh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I only know from, from reading stuff, mm-hmm. but the high school football team in Miami must have been pretty competitive and pretty high profile too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's real competitive. It's like it's... Down in in Florida, throughout Florida, we just we breathe football. Just like it was just so fun, like going to Texas and just trying to just see the difference in it. And you see it every week when you're watching college football and you're watching the high school football. Just how much football just means to athletes and just fans alike in the state. I mean, it was just it was one of those. Um, things that just growing up in in Florida, like everybody was just always geared for football season. Everybody wanted to see how that season was going to turn out, whether it was the basketball players or the volleyball team. Everybody showed that support of the football team. How many fans would you get at a game for a high school game? Uh, like thousands? Yeah, some of our games like was so big that we couldn't, like our original, the original stadium that we would play at was probably like the size of Clark. But whenever we played like the big rivals, we played like at the Orange Bowl. Really? Because all the old alumni from both schools would always come. So we always played like our real big games at the Orange Bowl. So at the I mean, NFL Stadium. At the NFL Stadium where the Dolphins played growing up. And it so, would, I mean, so it wouldn't be full, but it would be No, it would be packed. They'd fill it. They will fill it. It will be for full a, for a high school football game. My goodness. That must have been quite the experience. Yeah, and it, and it was it was lovely because you're like ninth grade year playing varsity football. I'm out here with juniors, seniors, and I'm you know I'm running out here on the field where I used to go sometimes and just you know watch Dan Marino and Mark Duper, watch all these guys practice and play on Sundays. I'm out, I'm actually out here as a freshman, sophomore playing varsity football, running onto the same field. So it was it was great. It was a great experience. So the Dolphins were your team then? Oh, that's one and only. Yeah. One and only. Uh, well, no, was Duper being a receiver, was he your favorite yes. player? No, no. My my favorite receiver all the time is Jerry Rice. Okay. Yeah, I wore number 80 in high school because of Jerry Rice. Not a bad guy to look up to. You no, know, that's that's. Have funny. you ever met him? No, no, I never met him. Never okay. met him. Played against him my rookie year when I was with the Saints, but... Didn't get the opportunity to meet him. Okay. Uh, so you wound up going to Texas Tech for Miami. You mentioned a bit of a, a culture shock. What, what what was that? Describe that to me. Well, I mean, it was just like it was it was different. Like I'm, I'm growing up in Miami where there's palm trees and, and there's sunshine every day. You know, there's beaches. And like some days in Lubbock, I'm seeing like tumbleweeds just rolling down the street. I'm like, I'm not used to that. And one of the things that shocked me is that the, the first time I saw snow in West Texas. And I'm like, hey, man, what, what is going on here? I'm like, I'm a Floridian. I'm not, I'm not used to snow. You know, so I remember just running up into the football office and like, hey, man, what did y'all, what did y'all trick me, man? Y'all told me it didn't snow here, you know, because I was like big on that because I've always played in like the nice weather. You know, but, you know, you realize as an athlete, you know, once you get out there and you start running around, you can play in any temperature, so. Yeah, well, you learned that later in your career, didn't you, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Texas Tech. Uh, now, were you drafted by the Saints, or did yes. they they drafted yes. you? So you got you got to get one year in the NFL. Yes. Now, well, I mean, I, I, I know you had a great Canadian career, mm-hmm. but I, being in the NFL, that you know, you were chasing a dream. What was what was that year like? Oh, it was it was amazing because you know you're out here and like I said, as a rookie, um, I'm playing against guys that you grew up 
just, you know, like idolizing you. I'm, you know, I'm out here on the same field with like John Elway, Deion Sanders, guys that I've watched play like college football. You know, like as a rookie, like you're just, you're starstruck. But you know, when you're sitting there and you're practicing with these guys, you realize that these guys are just, they're normal guys, they're humans just like you, but they just, their game is just at another level. You know, they don't perform well in the league that they elevated their game to, you know, get that status. Who was the Saints quarterback? I had Jim Everett. Oh, Jim Everett was there. So that was post him being with the Rams and the table flip and all that stuff. Yes. (laughs) Guys didn't bring that up around him, did they? No, no, no. (laughs) But I... um, we saw clips because, you know, you always yeah. had that one prankster on the team and he never, you know, you would never let him know who put it out there because it really would piss him off. <laughs> Mookie Mitchell joining us in studio. He's going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame on Friday in uh, in Hamilton. How I'm, I'm curious, uh, how, do, how were they using you in the Saints? Uh, so that was about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, they're, I mean, passing has always become more... There's always been more and more passing in the NFL year by year, more three, four receiver sets. Were, were they using three receivers a lot then? Were, would have you been in the yeah, slot, they was, or how they are they was, deploying they was using They was using a three-receiver set, but my rookie year, I was pretty much all special teams. Okay. I was doing return, you know, uh, kickoff, punt. I was doing it all. And if any one of the, the top three receivers went down, I was that next guy in. Okay, so you have to know all the positions. You got to know all the what, positions. What, X, Y, Z, is that what they would call yes. them? Or, yeah. Okay. All right. So I, I want to get to how you got to uh, Toronto. You had some mm-hmm. incredible seasons with the Argos. We'll talk about uh, you transitioning to the Eskimos. And as we go along, we'll touch on you making one of the biggest plays, quite frankly, in Eskimos history. Sound good? You got yes. time? Yes, I do. Mookie Mitchell's in studio. You know what? You can also uh, text a comment for question with, for Mookie if you want as well to 630-630. It's Inside Sports on 630-CHAT. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Special guest in studio this hour, Mookie Mitchell, former Edmonton Eskimo, former Toronto Argo. He has uh, the the record for most receptions in a season. We'll, we'll talk about that. You were the Rookie of the Year, uh, two-time Great Cup champion. We'll, we'll get further into those games because they were both interesting for, for different reasons, I think. Uh, Lumley fan uh, says, uh, Mookie, what do you do now? Oh, well, right now I'm working with, like, high-risk kids at a, at a group home here on the uh, south side. So, I'm pretty much like a, a guardian for these kids, you know, because some of them have been removed from their home. So I'm pretty much like that that parent away from their biological parents. So I go in and I treat these kids as if they're my own. I go register them for school. If they need any medical attention, I'm taking them to doctors. Uh, sometimes if you're lucky, some of the fans, they I run into some of the fans at some of the home games here. Like while I'm with some of the kids, like passing through the concourse. Awesome stuff. Good for you for doing that. How come you st- you stayed in Edmonton? Uh, it's it's called the lady. Okay. It's, you know, it's called the little wifey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh, in studio? Hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, good for you. I mean, we're proud to have you as uh, as an Edmontonian, and, and I know. Uh, I mean, a lot of st- obviously star players in the CFL are Americans, and there's I think there's always that sense of pride when a guy stays here, you know, Gizmo, for example, or even a player who was here 
like Warren Moon, for example, comes back and we'll go to an event or we'll talk about Edmonton when he's on American radio or we'll, we'll I, I, you know, we, we get a, We get a sense of pride out of that. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but I think yeah, it makes, it it makes a lot of sense to me because if there is anything I need right now, rather, whether it's big or small, I can pick up the phone and call like the front office here. And the, the people here have always uh, treated with treated me and other guys with the utmost respect. And they've always found a way of, like I said, whether the favor was big or small, I could pick up the phone, call friends within the front office, and they would they would get it done for me. And that was one of the real reasons, you know, that I also stayed here because it's a it's a great city. It's a city that's growing, and I mean, it's a great fan base. And you know, I have a lot of ex friends that lives here. Uh, okay, this is a good one because we were talking about your NCAA NFL career, so we want to transition into the, the Canadian side of it. Colin in Two Hills says, Mookie, what was your biggest adjustment to make as a receiver in the Canadian League? I would just say it was the size of the field. Yeah. Because I, I can remember uh, my rookie year, uh, you, you, you find out the difference in the, the size of this field, like the when we've always told like rookie receivers or like just rookies coming in, like once you become that that solid vet, like we t- try to tell them to do that extra conditioning because the, the practice field, it doesn't equate to the size of like the game field because some, you're not practicing on the, the field as a whole. You're not always in like that game tempo. And I've seen since my rookie year and, I've, and I was a witness to it, to where I respect the size of this field. And just the the play clock and just the speed of the game. I can remember my rookie year, the second preseason game in Montreal. By the time the fourth quarter came around, I was so physically tired, I couldn't pull myself off the turf. Pinball Clemens and Robert Drummond had to, after every catch, had to come and pick me up off the field because I was just that tired by the time the fourth quarter came around. Wow. So that that was you learned the lesson quickly. I, 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 I learned to respect the, the size of this field quick. Uh, you know, you must have enjoyed the waggle, though. That's what a lot of guys tell me that you yeah. could run up to the as a receiver, you could run up to the line in your full speed when the ball snapped. And I and I think as a receiver, that's that's one of the greatest assets that you have. I mean, you have you have a DB at your mercy. You know, you have four three. Uh, four two four four uh, receivers that can run. Now you're giving this guy like a five ten yard head start. It's, it's just like it's the receiver's dream. Now you obviously took advantage of that uh, rookie of the year in uh, in 1996. And as, as I mentioned, you had you, the receptions record 160. Uh, uh, pardon me, rookie in 1997. I was off by a year. Rookie in 1997 receptions record in uh, in 1990. I mean, when you when you came up well let me ask you this when you when you came to the cfl did you know anything about the cfl about canada about about toronto or are you just like i'm just going in blind no i just i just went in i just came in blind i've I've watched a couple of games growing up uh when i was in high school when they was televising games you know back in the day on in the u.s and so i just can remember when i got released from new orleans i went to camp with atlanta 95 and I made it up to the final cut, and they released me. And, you know, I was just, you know, tired of doing all the off-season workouts and staying there half the season away from your family and your friends. And so I remember just calling my agent after I was released from Atlanta, and I said, you know what, I want to play either Arena or the CFL. And he was surprised to hear that. And he was like, really, would you go to Canada? You know, and I'm, I don't know nothing about Canada other than what I saw as a kid growing up. 
And he was like, well, I know the agent in Toronto. So would you go to Toronto? And I'm like, yeah. He was. Then my agent gave me just like a brief history. Well, they just won the Grey Cup last year. I know the general manager. His name's Eric Tillman. Right. And like a week later, it was like a week just before camp started, I got the contract in the mail. And I remember signing the contract and even taking the contract to camp with me. That's how close it was to camp. And so when I went to camp, the guys were getting their rings and you're seeing everybody just excited. You know, I'm there, I don't know nobody on the team. You know, and I just remember like the first uh, day of camp, um, Coach Matthews had me behind Paul Mazzotti, you know, great Canadian receiver in, in Toronto. So. Mazzotti always got teased about his speed. Right. So, you know, I just can remember just calling my wife like, hey, this may be easy because the guy that I'm in competition with, like this guy, you know, he's not a burner, you know. Right. I know he got great hands, but he's not a burner. But me not knowing that this guy is a solid Canadian. And so as training camp went on, Coach Matthews and Coach Jenkins, uh, one day after the first practice, moved me in to slot receiver. And so now I had I wasn't studying the slot receiver, so I had to get up out the cafeteria and run back to the locker room to just try to study the inside slot, you know, routes, you know, because it's CFL, you just get thrown right in that fire. Yeah. And so uh, one of the good teachers I had with me was former uh, Argo great uh, DK Smith. Right. He followed me. He was like my mentor. Like if I was doing one on one, he was just teaching me like how to waggle and you know how to attack a DB in his league. So the whole training camp, he just stayed with me until I got the system down. And once I just got the system down, I got comfortable at, at slide. You know, me and Flutie started to get that relationship. And 15 and three rookie of the year, great cup. Simple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that season. I, I referenced that you made uh, one of the most famous plays in Eskimos history. You've also made one of the plays that still irritates me to this day against the Eskimos. So we'll talk about that. A lot of texts coming into 6.30, for Mookie Mitchell. We will uh, get to as many of those uh, as we can because uh, clearly you're still a popular figure with Eskimos fans. It is 4-2 Tampa Bay leading Toronto in baseball. Bottom of the seventh, two out. The Jays have a couple of runners on. They're going to try to convert. Former Eskimo Mookie Mitchell in studio as we roll along. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. Uh, the Blue Jays didn't cash in. 4-2 for the Rays now in the eighth. The date was September 20th, 1997. The showdown was between the two top teams in the CFL. Many believed at the time it was going to be a Great Cup preview. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders threw a bit of a wrench into that. It was Toronto at Edmonton in the CFL, and the final score disappointing the thousands at Commonwealth that night was 25-24 for the Argos, thanks to the guy on the other side of the table for me, Mookie Mitchell, who's in studio for this hour, who pulled off a game-winning long touchdown play on a very short pass Mookie, you just outsmarted and outran everybody, didn't you? No, no, no. It was just a, it was just a, a play that Flutie drew up. He just drew it up. So he just decided to um, 
put me outside at the X receiver, which is in the boundary, the, the farthest outside receiver. And he just told my slot guy, he just, just clear it out. And he say, Mookie, I want you to come like right off his butt, but don't go no deeper than five yards. Because he, I guess throughout the game, he saw like, I guess a cushion that the DBs was playing in the boundary. And so when I remember just coming off the slot receivers, um, but I remember he threw it to me quick, like a quick slant. Mm-hmm. And I just remember seeing, like, the middle of the field wide open. And I just ran. Now, how often does that happen where a quarterback will just, like you said, just make something up in the huddle? Yeah, well, Flutie, Flutie was the only quarterback I played with that would just completely just throw the game plan out. And Coach Matthews and Coach Jenkins gave him the the privilege or, you know, the go-ahead to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, one of... Uh, Another quarterback I enjoy playing with was our uh, quarterback here, Jay Moss, because mm-hmm. of I like Jay Moss, uh, his swagger and his attitude. Because in um, '04, when you played with Jay Moss, if there was ways that um, a play was drawn up, but the DB is uh, giving you a certain technique, and it's just like it's frustrating to you and it's frustrating to him, he would uh, bring you over on the sideline and say, "Well, how do you want me to throw it?" And the, the however you want the ball thrown if you tell Jay like Jay I can beat him this way just let me just give me one more step and Jay would he was sitting there and he'll hold it for you and he was sitting there and he would take the shot and he would just make it work he would just make it work so Jay Moss was another to me was another one of those playground quarterbacks like hey if, if it's gonna go you just better catch it because if I get chewed out on the sideline you better have my back so that's what I enjoy playing with Jay Moss when I first got here the 97 Argos team, it might be the best team that uh, that I've seen. I mean, I'm, I'm 42, so I can remember teams going back to the early 80s, I guess. Um, Don Matthews, your reference, was the coach. A lot of people called Don Matthews a player's coach. What does that mean to you? Because uh, he, was, he was that coach that he just understood players. He knew when the players came from, you know, different backgrounds, whether it was good, bad, or just it was that middle of the road guy. But... The one thing I learned about Coach Matthews my rookie year was that he allowed you to be that player, like off the field, but on game day, he wants you to perform. He wants he wants that top performance. He he did everything in his power to make sure you was fresh and you was healthy going into that game, even if it was times when he would give us some days off or practices off. He just wanted to make sure that if he gave you that green light, to just skip this day or skip this practice or skip a, a meeting. You know, he wanted he wanted that performance out of you on game day. Well, it worked for you, <laughs> worked for you guys, especially in 97 for sure. Um, Brett says, uh, hey, Mookie, you were shocked by the snow in Texas. How does that compare with the snow we get in Edmonton? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my first year of fear of, Oh, full time, which was was thirteen. That was a bit of a shock because I I got a rude awakening. I don't, I don't. I still can remember that minus forty. Mm-hmm. So I would rather have the the Texas temperatures. So that's why now me and my wife during those part of the that part of the year here we go south. Okay. We get up out of here. We go to Miami or we just go California or we just visit friends like in the U.S. Okay. So, you get, <laughs> so, you, so you're not out there shoveling snow all the time then and stuff? No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Mookie Mitchell joining us in studio inside sports on 630 Chet. Um, I mean, a reference.
reference to obviously all the, all the great stuff you did with the Argos. Uh, when, when it when it ended with the uh, with the Argos, tell tell us a little bit about the decision to join the Eskimos. Um, it was like I guess not even a week going into camp, and I was in like panic mode mm-hmm. because you know everybody's about to start camp like that Saturday, and I remember it being like Tuesday or Wednesday, and I got a call from Hugh Campbell. This is a funny story. <laughs> got a call from Hugh Campbell. I've always heard of Hugh Campbell, the legend, you know, the respect that everybody had for Hugh Campbell throughout the the league. And so I never met him. You know, I just always heard from him. And so he called me, and I just can remember uh, answering the phone, and he was like, Mookie, Hugh Campbell. And, you know, i like, hey, man, get the F out of here, man. Quit playing. And he was like, no, Mookie, really, Mookie. This is Hugh Campbell. And I was like, okay, man, okay, if you're Hugh Campbell, uh, who is your GM? And it was Paul Jones at the time. Right. And so he was, so I knew Paul was in Toronto with me. And so I say, if you're Hugh Campbell, put Paul Jones on the phone. And I say, well, for now, I'm going to just hang up the phone. And so I hung up the phone on Hugh Campbell, not knowing that this is Hugh Campbell. And so right as soon as I hung it up, the phone called right back. And I'm like, yeah, 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 this is Hugh Campbell, huh? But it was Paul Jones. And Paul Jones was like, no, Mookie, that was Hugh. You know, I'm in his office right now. He wants to sign you. And I'm like, really? To Edmonton? You know, and I knew Edmonton was already like loaded with yeah. receivers you know my, my my boy ed was here tucker uh terry vaughn and i'm like wow how's this gonna work you know how you know how are we gonna spread the ball but end up signing with these guys like a day or two before camp started and i just remember arriving here and ed and, and tucker they just took me under their wings and they showed me the city they you know they just showed me you know the edmonton way and it was it was easy just to adapt. If you was a player that you liked it, just to be treated with with respect, this was this was the organization for you. And they they've always been first class to me here, and that's why I have so much love for Edmonton, and I, that's one of the reasons why I'm still living here. How did it work? I mean, you mentioned Hervey, Tucker, Vaughn, and you, all on the same team. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was Moss playing quarterback because Ray had gone to take a shot with the New York Jets. Yeah. So how how did it work? How did all you guys stay happy with well, your the, targets? The, the reason it worked is because you had a you had a vet group and none of none of us was selfish. So that's how if you ask, and I'm pretty sure if you ask any of the guys, they would probably tell you the same thing. If the game plan was for Ed to just like attack a certain DB, but all of a sudden Tuck was the hot hand in the first half, and Tuck ended up with the most stats. We just rallied around him. If you had 100 yards in the in the first half, we would tell him at halftime, hey, try to go get another 100. Mm-hmm. You know, we always did whatever we could to just support each other. We wasn't a selfish bunch, and that's why we had so much success, and that's what I think that's what made our quarterbacks, you know, just – you know, just be at awe because I got, you know, you got four all-stars on the same team and none of these guys are selfish. 2004, you guys were 9-9. Nine and nine. You hosted the West semifinal against Saskatchewan. Uh, the infamous play from that game is the third and 21 fake punt that you guys didn't convert. Saskatchewan later capitalized off that. I, I mean, when you're 
I mean, you're an offensive player, so you're running off the field. And then what, what were you thinking when you see all of a sudden your team trying to fake in a, in a, in a tough situation? Yeah, I mean, it, it was tough because it was, it was just like a couple of seconds left before halftime. And I just remember coming off the field, I just took my helmet off. I mean, defense was playing well. And, I mean, it's not no discredit to Saskatchewan, but I just remember that, that game, like our defense was playing well. I didn't even remember – Saskatchewan getting to our side of the field in that first half. And as soon as I sat on the bench, I just heard the crowd, and the crowd was, like, moaning and groaning. Mm -hmm. And so when I looked up, that's when I saw, like, uh, the incomplete pass on the Jumbotron. And so the receivers, we're asking each other what just happened because we're sitting down. We're waiting to see the punt and just defense go out there for a play or two, and we make adjustments at half. And they was like, no, no, they called the a fake punt. And Flem just uh, like a couple of inches just overthrew him and Mike. When um, it was just the pass was just a little overthrown. Yep. And then Saskatchewan, I think, end up getting the ball back, and I think they scored just before the half. Yeah, I think they went and up I seven just, three, Yeah. And I just remember coming out after halftime, and it was just snow dropping, you know. And so it just like all of a sudden it's like the ties of that game had done turned. They they found their running game, they found their rhythm. And it just seemed like we was trying to find ours in that second half, and we couldn't. So I mean, I always, I always ask this, and I get different athletes, uh, different answers from diff- different athletes. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, even when you're a veteran and you're an established guy, and you have your routine and you know what works for it, it just shows the value of confidence. I mean, you can't really measure it, but confidence and momentum are are real things to you guys on the bench and on the field, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And when you have um when your when your confidence level is there and you got the confidence in like the guys around you. I think that was one of the big things going my first year here in 97. Like I was around a a great group of guys that was just confident. Guys, it wasn't it wasn't an arrogance. It was just more of just like confident. They we just felt like when we arrived to go play a team, whether we were home in the Scotland or we arrived in your city, we felt when we got off that bus, we was the best team in the CFL. And we felt like, hey, we got players at every position. And so let's just go out, execute, win, and let's just go home and get ready for the next team. The 2005 season ended in a, in a Grey Cup for the Eskimos. I got a text here for Gary who says, my stomach still drops when Ray drops back for that third down gamble. <laughs> Thank goodness Mookie was at the other end. You guys were third and four yeah. down uh, five yeah. late in the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup against Montreal. Uh, it was a passing attack that was sometimes uh, built around shorter passes from what I yeah. remember from that season. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you guys dialed up a bit of a long one on third and four. Yeah, it was. And it went back to the previous playoff games before the Grey Cup. And um, me and Ricky was always, like, connecting on, like, the deep corner route, the pass I actually caught in that game on third and four. And so I remember the game against Calgary in the semis, and me and Ricky, we just couldn't find, we just couldn't find it. If I went, if I went, if I took my route high, he threw it low. And if I went low, he threw it high. And so I just remember all that week and practice in BC. I just remember Ed getting me, him, Tucker, Jay Moss, and uh, Ricky together. And he said, in order for us to have success here in this game, in the Grey Cup, he was like, Mookie, you 
and Ricky is going to have to find that magic again. Y'all going to have to connect on the corner route. So all that week in practice, I just told Ricky, I'm going to just go high. I'm going to just run my route high. I'm not going to try to just overguess it. I'm going to mm-hmm. go high, and if you throw a low, I'll adjust to you. And so I remember when that play was called, and I'm, it's like it's third and four, so I got Tucker to my inside, and Ed is on the outside. So I'm just knowing I'm just pretty much just going to run my route. I'm clear it out. And those guys are just catch the easy first down. We keep the chains moving. And so I just remember coming out of my break and I seen the the free safety that was covering me. He was heavy inside. And so when I broke corner, I just remember just seeing Ricky rolling and Ricky just, he let it go. It was dropping right on your face mask. Like he was right there. <laughs> yeah, it was It was just the, like, it was the soft touch there. And I just remember like looking back, looking up at the ball. And you know, as a receiver, sometimes when you got a, a defender beat, it's like you're praying to that ball to hurry up to you. So anybody that played with Ricky, know Ricky Ray has like a touch. And so it's always like, it's that perfect ball. It's almost like it's catching an egg. And you know, if you drop Ricky Ray's ball, you just dropped it. Right. But I just remember, just like the ball in the air, and I'm like, oh, God, if I ever drop a ball, don't drop this one, <laughs> you know? And I, that's why I hugged that ball like it was my old child. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not dropping this one. You guys got the touchdown. You went for two. Montreal came back and tied it. You go to overtime. Um, I mean, Eskimos fans are losing their minds with nervousness, and the, it looked like you had the game lost and then won and then lost. And, and Montreal had that weird penalty where – uh, Calvillo threw it twice on the same play and got a yeah. penalty, and then he punted on. I mean, fans are losing their mind. What's it like for the players, though? In that, or was there ever any awareness like, "Holy crap, this is an incredible game"? Or you just no? As as the players, we're so caught and just the ups and downs of that game. As to me myself once the game started it was just like it was a regular game you get caught up in that atmosphere as you're running onto the field you seeing all like the excitement you seeing like different fans with different jerseys on and you know all the performers that's performing but as that game go on as athletes it's just a it's just a game all you see is the guy that you're lined up against you know and I meant you hear all the the different effects from the the fans who's sitting there watching. They're like, just like as you're uh, describing now, like, oh, man, I thought it was over. Then you made the catch, and then Tucker made this one, then Ed made this one, then Tony Tompkins, he did this. Yeah. So it was The game was so up and down. So as a player, all you're thinking about is, like, we got to just keep making plays to win. It's not it's not a great cup to you until it's over and all the confetti come down. So, Mookie Mitchell in studio. Can you just... Let's just do a few more minutes after the break, all right? He's going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame on Friday. This is Inside Sports on Chat. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins with you. Fun show. Still ahead, Jack Armstrong, Toronto Raptors analyst. He's fun. He's coming to Edmonton on the weekend for Basketball Alberta Super Weekend. We're spending time in studio with Mookie Mitchell, formerly of the Toronto Argos and the Edmonton Eskimos, a former CFL Rookie of the Year, two-time Grey Cup champion. You're going into the Hall of Fame on Friday. That's also your birthday, so happy birthday in advance. I mean, what, what does that mean to you to hear Mookie Mitchell, Canadian Football Hall of Famer? I mean, it's it's great, and it's it's a it's a humbling experience. And I didn't I didn't feel it until last year, 
when they introduced all of us and you're seeing like the the guys the the alumni that's in now and then you're just looking around at this this dinner and you're seeing a lot of names that are great athletes that played in this league that that's not in the hall of fame right now so it's a real humbling experience so you know and you're you're meeting these guys at the dinner and these guys are congratulating you and um the names that haven't made it you know you're it just makes your your jaw hit the ground so that just makes like wow i got picked out of all these guys that was playing up here you know when i was just a like a five-year-old that hasn't yeah. made it in so to me uh I, like I told those guys at the dinner, man, I respect everything you did for me as a player so I could be in this position. And I'm going to uh, – hopefully I've done everything I can to motivate the younger generation to hopefully make it into that uh, Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, awesome stuff. I got a standard question I ask ex-players. Ex, ex well, it's a two-parter. Who's the best player you ever played with and who's the best player you ever played against? Hmm. I say the best player I played with would be my guy Doug Flutie. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good. Okay, and then um, <laughs> I had a lot of I had a lot of good battles with my boy Baron Miles. Oh yeah. When he was in Montreal, me and Baron had a lot of good battles, and I mean it was a good it was that good respectable. It wasn't that Odell and Norman. It wasn't that. I mean it was it was one of it was good battles. It were great battles, and you know he would win some and I would win some, and I mean we would. I just remember with like being against uh, going against Barrymore, you had because he was a really good DB, and so you couldn't, as a receiver, be lazy on your routes because he was real good at like breaking on the ball. And he was a he was a great tackler, and he was a, he was a smart DB. He was a smart football player, so he didn't he didn't fall for like the small tricks or the average tricks that a receiver would do to the the average DB. He didn't go for it. You just really had to attack him to have some type of like, success against him. Mookie, this was this was an incredible hour. I wish we'll have to have you on again because this this was this was a lot of fun. And, and you mentioned, I mean, it's great you've stayed in Empton, and you mentioned you're still watching every Eskimos game, weren't yes. going to a lot of them. Yes. Yeah. Tough one on uh, Saturday, eh? Yeah, it was tough. It was it was tough. And I mean, you know, you've you've been there as a, as a player. I'm pretty sure Jason and all the coaching staff have pointed out to the guys the small things that they could have done to you know, to pull out that win. But, hey, the season is still here. The season is – they're the champs. So until somebody come along and beat the champs, they're still the champs. And I, and I know those guys are going to get it right. They're going to get it right, and they're going to correct those those small mistakes. Uh, I didn't even ask you. We only got a minute left here. They're playing their final game at Taylor Field on Saturday. You must have. I mean, were you were, were you heckled anywhere else like you would have been? <laughs> in Regina? Like the stands are right there. Yeah. Well, it was like that. All it was the same in Hamilton. The fans, they're right there. They're right. I mean, <laughs> they're right on the back of your jerseys. They're, they're not even though you have. They right on your back, and you get heckled. But the years here. I mean, it's been. It was so much fun going to Saskatchewan. You know, because the fans. They're true fans. Like they gonna help with you, but if you have some success, by the time that game ends, they gonna they gonna come up to you. They wanna and they embrace you. You know they they appreciate like good football in Saskatchewan, and they they appreciate like guys just coming out and giving them a nice show. Mm-hmm. You know, so it goes with the territory, and those are two of the places like I've always enjoyed as a player, like playing because if you're doing bad, they're gonna let you know. 
But if you're doing good, they're going to let you know. But then they'll tell you to, like, just tone it down a little bit or come join their team, you know. Uh, Mookie, thanks again for coming in. Enjoy Friday. Again, congratulations on going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Thank you. As Mookie Mitchell, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.